hi, how are you doing? I'm doing. Are you vastly overwhelmed by college? Yeah. 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 Are you ready to jack some rips? Rip some jacks? I told you this. I told you this story was going to be about Jack the Ripper. You didn't That's, believe me. It is literally called Yours Truly, Jack I the said, Ripper. I said in our last episode, I said, I'm going to do research on Jack the Ripper. And you were like, nah, it's probably not necessary. Probably not necessary. Probably not about Jack the Ripper. Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper. It is in some ways not at all about Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yeah, mostly because there's a lot of details that are... Because like... The middle 70% doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then there's the beginning and the end. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it goes. That's the story of yours truly. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's Del Toro time. It's Del Toro time. You're Tortorn? It's Del Tortorn. So you woke up at 2 o'clock today? Yeah. That's nuts. You were up so late, huh? Nope. What? I went to bed at 10. Oh my God. Why'd you need so much sleep? <laughs> I don't know. How did you feel when you woke up? Terrible? No, I felt fine. Oh, I mean, good, but. I mean, I did pull three all nighters last week trying to get stuff done. So, do you know anything about Robert Block? Is that the guy who wrote this story? I'm not going is... to lie. Most of my time for this episode was taken up by doing research on Jack the Ripper. Did you read the story? I did. Oh, good. That's the big part. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you actually read the story. I just uh, didn't like the story is the problem. Yeah, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I didn't like it either. I thought it was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a dang shame that our friend David G. Hartwell, by the way, everyone, this is uh, It's Otor Time. We are covering The Dark Descent by David G. Hartwell. Uh, and I thought it was a shame, a dang shame, that David G. Hartwell was like, this is probably Robert Block's best story. That doesn't fill me with joy. Uh, that doesn't seem fair to Robert Block. Uh, Robert Block is a very famous author who worked for decades. This is one of his earliest stories, uh, considered by many to be the first story that departs from like him just trying to be H.P. Lovecraft. And it's not very good. No, it's not. It, the uh, twist at the end isn't really even a twist. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's like ritual sacrifice immortality and then like hey? hey everybody ha 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 i'm actually jack the and i'm like that doesn't make any like this entire story is told in the first person by the guy who spoiler alert ends up being jack the ripper and none of the stuff going on in his head at all alludes to the fact that he might in fact be jack the ripper like he specifically thinks things that indicate he's not jack the ripper yeah it's weird it's weird so Robert Block, born in 1917, got his first published story when he was 17. Big fan of H.P. Lovecraft's writing and weird tales. Wrote to H.P. Lovecraft, was like, I'm a big fan. Can I, can I get, I haven't, I haven't been able to get my hands on some of your old stories. Where can I get them? And Lovecraft was like, I'll just send them to you. So he just sent him a bunch of his stories. It was like, you want to read my stories? Here, read my stories. Oh, by the way, you like horror so much, you should try writing some horror, kid. So Block did, and he sent it off to Farnsworth Wright, who was like, you suck. But he got a bunch of his stuff published anyway. Eventually, he was published in Weird Tales. And uh, then Lovecraft died, and Robert Block was devastated because they were good friends, very good friends. Uh, they wrote each other into each into their stories. Mm -hmm. uh, when Lovecraft wrote the character of Robert Blake and had him murdered in one of his stories, that was Robert Block. And they were good friends. And I mean, I've had, to, I've, in some of my writing, if I'd have had friends in them, I've had them killed. Yeah, you gotta have them killed. Like, it's only fun. Well, what happened was uh, Robert Block 
wrote, uh, let's see, Robert Blake was based on Robert Block in Lovecraft's story, The Haunter in the Dark. It was, okay, so Robert Block wrote the story, The Shambler in the Stars, which was about H.P. Lovecraft, and he killed the Lovecraft character. So then Lovecraft wrote a story with Robert Blake as Robert Block, and he killed the Robert Block character. And then Robert Block wrote another story that sort of finished the trilogy. Uh, uh, but yeah, he was devastated when Lovecraft died. He used to just write Lovecraft-type stories. Like, that was his big thing. But then he got into, with this story, psychological, like, thrillers. This uh, isn't a this... psychological thriller. <laughs> <laughs> it is, because you're in their heads, man. Uh <laughs> Robert Block died in 1994. It, the one thing I could get about Robert Block was that literally everybody loved him. Like everyone was just like, "What a great guy!" He was like, he, "You you you asked him to come to like uh to like conventions, and he would just talk, tell story. He, he was a, a raconteur. He always said he wished he had he kind of wished he had been a comedy writer. He was a gag writer. Like he wrote comedy stuff too. Uh, and he always he said that he always started with a gag, a punchline, and then he wrote the story around it. And oh boy. Can you tell that's what he did with this story? Yours truly, Jack the Ripper uh, from... Can we just skip the story and just talk about Jack the Ripper this time? Can we do that? 1943. Let's... Well, I was going to say, before we get into the story, Yours Truly, Jack the Ripper, which obviously is about Jack the Ripper, who is Jack the Ripper, Willow? No one knows. (laughs) (laughs) What is Jack the Ripper? What's the idea of Jack the Ripper? The one of the most infamous serial killers in the known world. Yes, the I first... say known world. We know everywhere in the world. I was gonna say the first though world worldwidely known serial killer. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot more about the uh, victims than I do about, or the the five canonical victims as they're called than right. I do about the guy himself. But right. I do have a list of uh, six potential suspects. Mm-hmm. Out of the hundreds. Yeah. There's the three official suspects, and then I have three other theories written down. Well, because there were 11 murders, mm-hmm. in the, and this is in 1888? Yes, 1888. Yeah. yeah, in Whitechapel, the Whitechapel area of London, which was like the worst part of London. Yeah. But of those 11 murdered people around this time, yeah, like you said, there's five. Even though in this story, he says six. And I'm like, what? And then he counts one <laughs> of the people who has been like discounted as a victim for since the beginning. But in any case, yeah. who were the five canonical victims? Okay. So first victim on August 31st, August 31st, um, her body was found in Bucks Row. Uh, her name was Mary Ann Nichols. She was discovered by Charles, Charles Cross and Robert Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, she was found with her throat slashed and she was disemboweled. Uh, yes. Each of these victims was a prostitute, by the way. Yes. The second victim, Annie Chapman, was found on 29 Hanbury Street on September 8th. She was discovered by John Davis. Her throat was cut and her womb was missing. In between the second and third murders, a letter was sent or received that reads, Dear boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about the leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me in my fun- with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send it to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. We have a title. Yes. 
Don't mind giving me the trade name. Wouldn't Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Cursed, no luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. Ha ha. Which I hate. Why do you write ha ha? Stupid, dumb. I hate it. The note, however, was possibly written by the media. Yes. Uh, that's the big thing. Because... Yeah, and it wasn't released until October 1st. And when you say it's written by the media, the, one of the things to remember is that at the time, this was the first media sensation killer. And the yeah. papers were desperate to keep the story in the headlines. So the the newspaper people were doing everything they could to keep this story fresh. Uh, yeah. So go on. One thing that does is a bit strange about this letter, if the murderer did have anatomical knowledge, is the idea that he tried to save blood to write with, unaware that it would turn thick like right. glue, as he says. Right. So that's a bit weird, and that makes me feel a bit like, hmm. <laughs> right. Plus, like, they point out that there's, like, misspellings in it, but the misspellings are the misspellings of someone deliberately misspelling words. Like, yeah. knife is spelled K-N-I-F, and they're like, a person who knew how to spell knife wouldn't leave off the E, but use the K, they would just spell it N-I-F. Like, it's things like that. Like, mm -hmm. And then I th believe in the 1930s, a newspaper man was like, I was the guy who wrote the, <laughs> yeah. I was the, guy who wrote the letter. There is, there is some, um, I will get into this later when I talk about the suspects, but there is a really interesting thing about the paper that was used to write it, and I'll get into that later. Okay. The third victim was found on Burner Street on September 30th. Her name was Elizabeth Stride. She was discovered by a guy named Louis... I can't pronounce his last name. Um, and only her throat was cut. 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 <laughs> yes. Um, this led to police, the police to believe that the murder was interrupted. Um, and Be more, you want to say something? I was going to say because. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, uh, the same day, um, further uh, to the west, I think, in Mitre Square, Catherine Eddowes was discovered. Um, her body had been severely mutilated, including her face. And I did read a bit about what happened to her because I was curious and I regret doing that very much. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, her uterus was removed and her left kidney was also removed. Yes. I have a quote by the medical examiner about what was found. Um, it's really bad. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad. Bad and stuff. Yeah. The thing to know, though, is that she had been mutilated after her death, mm -hmm. um, which is a bit of a silver lining question mark yeah yeah he cut those throats pretty quick yeah. uh, um and i was like wow how long would it take someone to do that the medical examiner said that the perpetrator had sufficient time because it would take about five minutes right which is insane to me but you know um and another interesting thing about this crime was that one of the only clues in the crime like one of the only cues in the, clues in the case was found between the two crime scenes um, a piece of Catherine Eddowes' apron was found. Yes, yes. Um, this suggests that the Ripper went back through the police-infested area, either by necessity or pride. Um, so it, so there are theories that he might have lived in the area. Right. And in between this and the final killing, the second letter arrives. Or a postcard, technically. It was yeah. dated October 1st. Um, I was not codding, dear, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off, had not the time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping the last letter back till I got to work again, Jack the Ripper. Um, this is interesting uh, because there is, and I'm going to make it very clear, this is unconfirmed information uh -huh. um, that suggests the postcard was received by the recipient the morning after the night of the double murder. And if this is true, it means that the person who sent it was involved in the case, either as Jack the Ripper, as the media, or as police. Because the public had not been made aware of the nature of the crime at this point. Right. Um, 
fun side piece. Uh, a third letter was received by the local vigilance committee. Uh, basically just businessmen who helped the cops with stuff. Uh, yeah. They received a note that was titled, From Hell. Mm-hmm. And it was left with half a human kidney. However, this turned out to be a prank from a medical student. Um, so it wasn't the Ripper. It was just a jerk. And I really think that this gives some insight into like the com- like the stuff surrounding the, the murder. What people really thought. Um, because people were obviously scared. But they didn't really care about the victims of the crime. Right, right. Because uh, they were... Ex- what? I was going to say, there was one victim, though, I believe, maybe the final victim, who mm-hmm. actually had a huge funeral. Yeah, uh, I because, think it was the final victim. Because by that point, people were like kind of getting fed up. Yeah. Um, and yeah. speaking of the final victim... Yikes. On November 9th, 1888, uh, 13 Miller's Court, Mary Kelly was discovered by her landlord's assistant, who was looking for rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the description that I got from her was her body was disemboweled and virtually skinned down mm-hmm. which is awful uh, she's a tough one to look up because when you look her up uh you get the crime scene photo right yeah, off i don't i don't want to see that and uh you forget that they were taking pictures back and they took two crime scene photos which is just like all right let's don't overdo yourselves boys but uh <laughs> it is on the wikipedia page just like right there like you look it up there she is and it is horrible it yeah. is nightmare-inducingly horrible uh, what this what this killer did to these to these poor women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which which fed into because as as I'm sure you as I know you're aware at the time of these murders, a like I said, there were eleven murders in Whitechapel in this period. Only five of them considered canonical, mm-hmm. uh, but other murders were going on. Including like the torso murders, including like yeah. uh, other Whitechapel murders, like murder was going around. Like this was not uncommon. So the fact that these got so much attention is a testament to just like people were like, whoa, 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 we can take the murder, <laughs> not this like super murder that's going on. Yeah, if you want, if you want to hear someone's uh, opinion on this uh, from the time, I have a quote from the landlord. <laughs> Great. The landlord said, The sight we saw I cannot drive away from my mind. It looked more like the work of a devil than of a man. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that, like, this is a, this is something that goes on t- to this very day. Uh, the notion of the less dead, which is people who are murdered, but they're considered less dead than people who matter to society. And so yeah. the cops don't do a whole lot of investigating. Uh, they don't get a, they don't get the attention that people feel. And this, this of course, is still continues today with sex workers, uh, mm-hmm. with trans people, with, uh, with, uh, with people of color, like anyone that society has deemed like a little less worthy of our concern. They, the expression that people uh, in true crime circles use is less dead because the, like, the investigators just don't consider them that important. Mm-hmm. And what we find with the Whitechapel murders is that the even though there was this strong sense of like, well, they were sex workers, who cares? The community itself kind of rallied around it and was like, these people, we know these people. Like these are our neighbors. Like these women, mm-hmm. we know these women, and they had friends, and they had you know, like we we're all in pretty bad shape. But you've got to do something about this, and that's and the attention that kept getting called to that uh uh led this to like sort of go worldwide yeah um if you want to hear another interesting tidbit before like right before the last murder the acting police commissioner sir charles warren and the home secretary actually resigned because of pressure to because they've had failed to catch the killer 
One of the fascinating things about Jack the Ripper is every single thing we know about the Ripper murders is always up for question because no one, because forensic work was almost non-existent back when i was reading like they were like the contents of her stomach were i was like whoa they were actually checking that fact like i was surprised yeah but, when they when i when they were like yeah she died about 30 minutes ago i was like how did they figure that out <laughs> but like so they were doing their best but forensic work was still like in its infancy mm-hmm. uh uh people didn't want to talk to the cops the cops weren't the best, you know, like the most thorough investigators around. There was a lot of a lot of anti-Semitism. There was a lot of uh, anti-foreigner. There was mm-hmm. a lot of political weirdness going on. Uh, people didn't even like to go into Whitechapel. It was at the time, I think it was like the most violent area in London. Uh, yeah. It was it was it was, you know, it was just it was just a place that people didn't want to think about. And you so you like you mentioned the fact that like. The letter was the the one letter was sent with a kidney, and they were like, "Oh, this was just sent by some uh, like uh, medical students who were playing a prank." But mm-hmm. then there's other places that are like, "Oh, wait, no, that was never actually confirmed." Some people definitely think this was from the Ripper because of X, Y, and Z. And then the places are like, "No, actually, we know for a fact that it was a prank." And then the places are like, "No, we actually know for a fact it wasn't." Like every single thing has been investigated in the like late like in the aftermath so much that you can pretty much find like evidence for almost anything you want which leads Mm -hmm. to the suspects who are these suspects first i'm going to give you a brief there's they have witness reports of a guy and there's a brief outline of who they were looking for Mm. at the time uh the outline is 25 to 35 years old five foot five to five foot seven male obviously uh stocky with a fair complexion and a mustache seen wearing a dark overcoat and dark hat which describes every man in london at the time so like you know the description of the ripper is is of course like what but the description of the victims i can't i was just trying to look and see one of the victims uh was described as by her friends as either blonde or redhead or brunette and either tall or short, and either like Irish or like these are from this is eyewitness accounts of people who knew the victims were just like I I don't know I I I wasn't pay- like so when it comes to describing who a murderer may have been who was who no one really saw in the middle of the night in foggy London who knows how reliable any of that yeah. was I do I do you know I don't think the dark hat and overcoat is very accurate probably because it's the middle of the night every overcoat and hat is gonna look dark dark (laughs) (laughs) but again every man had a mustache and every man was kind of kind of dirty you didn't go into you weren't in Whitechapel unless you were kind of dirty kind of stained uh kind of walking funny yeah um uh, but so, I, as I said earlier, there were a ton of suspects over this time. Mm-hmm. And they, the police questioned like a thousand people. Like they, they they were not slouching on their jobs. Like the police were trying to solve these murders. Uh, and they pulled in a bunch of suspects. Uh, but who were some of the standouts? There was Montague Johnson, Montague Johnson Druitt. Okay. Uh, and the quote from the investigator was, from private information I have, from, pri- from private information, I have little doubt but that his own family suspected this man of being the Whitechapel murderer. It was alleged that he was sexually insane. Um, essentially, his mom went insane and mm. he feared that he was going insane. And I, for each of the 
uh, suspects, I have one key point that makes it sound like they could be possibly Jack the Ripper. Right. He disappeared, Montague disappeared, and was found dead within four weeks of the last murder, um, which could be a coincidence, but it is strange that it coincides directly with when the murders stopped. Right. Um, the second suspect is Michael Ostrog. Uh, Michael Ostrog, yeah. Yeah, he was a Russian doctor and a criminal. Um, the only, like, well, obviously he was a Russian doctor and a criminal, which suggests he had anatomical knowledge and a criminal past. Right. Um, he couldn't find a, provide a strong alibi for his whereabouts during the murders. That's not particularly damning to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can imagine that a lot of people of the time couldn't provide a strong alibi for their whereabouts during the murders. And then we get to number three, Aaron Kaminsky. This is an mm. interesting one. Yeah. Mostly because of modern stuff that happened with him. He was a Polish and Jewish resident of Whitechapel. He spent some time in an asylum in 1889 after the last murder and resided in asylums until his death in 1919. And he was known for hating women and prostitutes, like particularly prostitutes. Right. And being known for hating women in that time, like, you gotta really <laughs> hate women. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's horrible, but... Like, you gotta really... It's like, it's kind of like H.P. Lovecraft, like, every like, H.P. Lovecraft was really racist. Mm -hmm. And this guy really hated women. Right. <laughs> to stand out that much in that era. Yeah. Um, his appearance matched the witness descriptions of a man in Mitre Square where the uh, fourth victim was found, mm -hmm. um, which, again isn't that damning because everyone looked like that <laughs> and so this guy named russell edwards okay wrote a book called i think naming the ripper yes and he claimed that he had dna evidence tying aaron kaminsky to the case right which would be really interesting if that were true so basically russell edwards got a scarf from an auction that was that supposedly belonged to i think mary kelly uh, Catherine Eddowes. Catherine, Catherine Eddowes. Eddowes, that's who. Because they did some DNA stuff uh, with one of her descendants and it matched. Right. And there was semen on the scarf that mm. they did DNA stuff with. And they found that there was this very specific part of the DNA that only like 1% of Europeans had. Um, or like it was like one in like a bajillion or something yeah. i'm not gonna get real specific with the science because <laughs> it's I either one percent or one in a bajillion it's yeah. a small amount it's a small amount and they thought they'd solved the case because that's like very very few people have this specific dna mutation or whatever it was right dna marker yeah so he publishes this book and is very very much like i solved the case everyone else is an idiot if they look at this and say that he's not the killer then they're morons and then he gets a call from the person who did the DNA stuff, who's like, hey, you know that uh, DNA marker I mentioned that only like 1% of people have? Well, turns out I, I mistyped it. And more than 50% of all Europeans have that <laughs> DNA marker. Yeah. So it could be anyone. <laughs> right. Not to mention the fact that just because his DNA is on the shawl, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that he killed her. Yeah. It could have just meant he was a client of hers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if our listeners know much about sex workers, but they tend to dabble in body fluids. Yeah. <laughs> like it tends to be round and uh, It would be it would be very I think it would be very damning if his evidence if his DNA was on the scarf that she died in. Uh just cuz he hated prostitutes and she right. was 
found dead. I think that would be a weird coincidence. Now, do you have on your list, do you have David Cohen? Uh, No, I don't think so. Because that's an interesting one. Because David Cohen uh, is, it was a a Jewish guy, Polish Jewish guy in in a a lunatic asylum. Um, And he was violent. He was antisocial. And the way it works is, uh his the name david cohen was basically john doe for jewish mm-hmm. immigrants at the time you would just if you someone couldn't give you their name and they were jewish you just live, listed them as david cohen how valid that is i'm not sure but uh but his true identity may have been this guy nathan kaminsky mm-hmm. um who lived in Whitechapel at the time, and that police may have confused Kaminsky with Kosminsky, the other guy, Aaron Kosminsky. Yeah. And uh, the reason it's given, I actually read this book years ago and it came out, but uh, the uh, the book The Cases That Haunt Us by John Douglas and Mark Olshaker, mm-hmm. uh, John Douglas, the mind hunter guy, um, he basically he said in that book where he analyzed the jack the ripper uh stuff from just a like a like a sort of a neutral forensic perspective he's like most likely david cohen or someone very much like him was the murderer and that was the book i read that made me really rethink jack the ripper because douglas and douglas is a bit of a blowhard and i don't always trust everything he says he's kind of a self-aggrandizing he's a he's a publicity seeker mm-hmm. but he what he really what he said to me was or he didn't say to me, but what he said <laughs> sunk into me was he was like, Jack the River was probably just, he was just some guy. Yeah. Like, he was just like any other serial killer out there. Just some antisocial guy with violent tendencies who murdered a bunch of women. And he wasn't this monster. He wasn't this specter. There was nothing special about him. He w- You wouldn't have even noticed him. He was one of probably just a thousand inmates uh, he may probably got arrested for something else, or he may have been that David Cohen. He may have been one of just one of those guys, just some antisocial guy who murdered women. He was just a serial killer. And, uh, and the first, I think that and this was years ago when he wrote this book. And I was just like, huh, no wonder we never caught him. Like, cause he yeah. was, he was just a, just some man in a, like a dirty shirt who no one paid attention yeah. to. I do have three other theories though. Who were your three other... What are your three other theories? The first one is very short, very simple. Uh, Jack the Ripper was a woman, maybe a midwife. That's Um, one that's out there, yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't particularly buy that theory. Right. Um, I think it would be a weird... It's a weird leap for me to make. Yeah, it doesn't fit the forensic profile much uh, either. And also, like, it would be... It would make... If if Jack the Ripper was, in fact, as they say, Jill the Ripper... (sighs) I don't like that at all. Neither do I. Uh, it and she was a midwife. It would explain blood being on her clothes, and would explain why the police never like found her uh, wandering around the murder crimes because she was a woman. Right. It would be. It's it's a leap to make, and I don't really buy it. The second theory is also just as ludicrous in my mind. <laughs> uh, Prince Albert Victor Christian Edward was thought to be the killer. We by hate some. it so much. We hate that one so much. I hate the Prince Albert one so much because it didn't come out until the 1960s. Mm-hmm. It was complete BS at the time. And then it blew up into this whole conspiracy theory. Yeah. I hate it so much. It's dumb. 
uh, they people thought he was insane and that the royal family covered for him. I don't think that's likely. He had syphilis. You're right, and that and that he had impregnated one of the women yeah. and she had a baby, and th- this was used to cover up like this royal baby that was born to a prostitute. Like it was. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Unimportant. Not true. The and third then... one is also strange to me. <laughs> Um, but it has some interesting forensic evidence that I like. Which one is that? Walter Sickert. Okay. Tell the us woman, about Wally. The woman who is very much in love with this theory, she wrote a book about it, I think, um, went full on national treasure. <laughs> I love that you say the uh, the woman who... Are you referring to Patricia Cornwell? Yeah, that woman. Yeah. Uh, Patricia Cornwell is one of the most famous uh, mystery writers in... in yeah, in, that one. In, in crime writers in the world. Uh, uh, she, uh... I remember when this book came out because I was working in a bookstore. Yeah. Uh, so, this yeah. is a weird one. She destroyed one of his paintings to try the and sick, find some the clues. guy, yeah. Yeah, to find some clues uh walter sickert was obsessed with jack the ripper uh some of his art i called it fan art of jack the ripper's crimes um Mm. he's weird i don't buy that he's the killer but this is the most interesting piece for me Uh uh-huh so the ripper letters that may or may not be a hoax (laughs) were written on a batch of paper this same this batch of paper only had 24 pieces in it Mm -hmm. and walter sickert had batch had the paper from this batch i think that's really interesting uh-huh because there were only 24 sheets of paper made in this batch and they did some chemical stuff with it to test it to see if it was the same paper and it was the same paper um so i think it's weird that he had that paper my theory for that is he was obsessed with jack the ripper and just decided to i maybe he wrote the letters <laughs> I think that's fun. I think it's a fun, I think it's a dumb theory, and I don't think he is the guy. What do you think of the idea that he had a disfigured penis? I don't care. Do you accept the theory that he that he had a fistula in his anus? Are you talking about Jack the Ripper or Walter Sickert? Walter Sickert. I don't really know much about Walter Sickert's sexuality or his... What do you think about Thomas... What do you think about Thomas Cream? What? What do you think about Thomas Cream? I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Thomas Cream was a was a killer. He was a serial killer who was considered uh, a suspect for Jack the Ripper. He was the Lambeth poisoner. He was a poisoner. He was he was not Jack the Ripper, but he was his name. Every time Cream gets mentioned, they're they're like, "What do you think about Cream?" I'm like, "Don't talk about Mr. Cream." (laughs) He paid for his Uh, crimes. Oh, and then there's also the really popular theory that uh, H.H. Holmes is that his name H.H. Holmes was a, was a guy was was the killer H.H. Holmes one of the most amazing things that came out of the last couple of years was was the revelation that H.H. Holmes uh the man who wrote uh who wrote the ultimate book on H.H. Holmes um Harold Schechter he wrote the book on like he wrote Depraved like which is considered like the big book on H.H. Holmes Harold mm-hmm. Schechter in the last like, year and a half two years was like Guy probably didn't really kill that many people. Uh, H.H. Holmes probably just killed a couple of people for their insurance money. Uh, Everything about the murder castle was made up. (laughs) And he was actually on a podcast as a guest being interviewed by people who were huge fans and had talked about H.H. Holmes. And he was like, yeah, like, uh, come to find out, like, all that was just made up stuff. And they were like, what, 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 what? And he was like, 
Yeah, that's the, that, that's the price you pay when you keep doing your research. <laughs> I still think it's fascinating. I enjoy any, the fantasy behind the case. What fascinates me about Jack the Ripper was that we don't even know if it was one person. We yeah. don't even know what the motives were. Uh, we, we don't know anything. There were other murders, too. There could have been more murders committed by this person, but it's hard enough. Look at what happened with the Golden State Killer. We didn't put those murders all together for decades. Like... We'll never know who Jack the Ripper was. And that's what makes him so fascinating. I'll tell you who he wasn't, though. He wasn't an immortal... Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist (laughs) living in Chicago. He wasn't a guy who could never die, who murdered women as sacrifices to the old ones. But uh, so yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. (laughs) Oh, by the way... This is the Dark Descent we're discussing. We should, talk, we should just do a true crime podcast. There's enough of them. There's enough <laughs> of them. Uh, Robert, so Robert Block writes this story. Your 1943, he writes this story. It gets published in Weird Tales. And I actually have read, so you know me. I'm pretty thorough. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to read the, oh, by the way, thank you so much for doing all that research. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Uh Gets published Weird Tales. I'm thorough, so I'm like, I'm going to find the actual copy of Weird Tales that this appeared in. I'm going to read it in Weird Tales because sometimes these stories get changed in between them appearing in this book and like other times. And lo and behold, this book, I'm going to I'm gonna actually show you because I have it up here. The people at home can't. So can you see this? Can you see? I can. This is yours truly, Jack the Ripper. That is a image that is straight out of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's this ghoulish, like, skull of with a knife. Um, it's scarier than the entire story. From, like, you see where my, can you see my pointer? Yeah. From, like, right here mm-hmm. to, like, right here about, mm-hmm. oh, my God, where is it? Uh, All this, like this page, this yeah. page, um... All through here until he says, what do you know about Jack the Ripper? Mm -hmm. That's all excised from your version. That's all excised from all versions of this after uh, after it was published in Weird Tales. He went back and he cut chunks out of this story before he published it again. That's probably for the best. Kind of. But the stuff he cut is actually a little interesting. Uh, He cut a bunch of stuff just sort of setting. So in the story, it's a psychiatrist named uh, Carmody. Carmody. John Carmody. And he gets visited by this old British guy, Sir Guy Hollis, who is basically like, I've been investigating, and it's in Chicago. And he's like, I've been investigating Jack the Ripper my whole life. And I think I know where, how I can catch Jack the Ripper. And this guy's like, wait, if Jack the Ripper was still alive, he'd be like 80 some years old. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Jack the Ripper isn't, he didn't just kill those people in Whitechapel. He's been killing since then, and he does it to stay alive. How do I know? Got evidence. What's the evidence? Don't don't worry about it. This guy is a he's a supernatural sorcerer who's been killing women. I don't have any proof of that, but he sacrifices their bodies to the gods, and that's this, why he's still alive. This this is a weird weird one because he says killing women very specifically, right? Yeah. Because he ties it in with the Cleveland Torso murders. Which? We're not all women. <laughs> he also ties it in somehow with spring Jack, which mm-hmm. is just a made-up man. <laughs> yep. He's a goblin. He's a ghoul. <laughs> and like, 
Yeah, so he's like, and so the so Car- Doctor Carmody is like, you're you're nuts. But what's all cut out from the beginning of this? This huge, I mean, just columns of text is him setting up. He's like, what do you know about London? And the psychiatrist is like, I know there's a lot of fog. And he's like, yeah, London's like, I guess it's kind of stupid. But he's like, the British love murder, don't you know? And Carmody's like, I, you know what? I guess they kind of do. And he's like, we love investigating murders. And he goes on like that for a long time. Uh, it's actually, but it's kind of some of the best writing in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks a lot about uh, about their obsession with 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 murder in British fiction and drama. They talk a lot about actors. Finally, he's like, have you ever heard of Jack the Ripper? And that's when all this comes in. And they talk about Jack the Ripper. So this story was lauded at the time for how much research Block had done into Jack the Ripper. And then you read it, and I'm like, he just he never even names the victims. He says there's six of them, and he nips he lists the dates of the murders. This is where my question comes in. That poem. Yeah. Do you want me to read the poem out loud? Please read the poem. Am I allowed to say one of those words? Uh, I, I, I don't know which word you're talking about. One sec. Let me Google something. Is that offensive to Jewish people? Oh, what's funny is, in okay, in the original Weird Tales publication of this story, Block writes, I'm not a butcher. I'm not a kid. So that's a yes. Uh, uh, it's it's a slur against Jewish people. Then I'll use kid. I'll use. But the it does rhyme with kid. Yeah. Why didn't they just keep it? Okay, I'll just use kid. Um, I'm not a butcher. I'm not a kid, nor yet a foreign skipper. But I am your own true loving friend. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. It's a dumb poem. So the source of that, it appeared. Sir Melville McNaughton mentions it in his memoirs as the first correspondence. From Jack the Ripper. Yeah, it just says that it appeared on a letter, but I'm having trouble locating the actual source. I don't really trust that. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. Like, it's it pops up everywhere. Yeah. But... Maybe it's just because the first letter was so difficult to read. It's hard to source that, but it's it's been talked about for years. Like it is a thing. Okay. But he sets up this whole idea, and so the and so this this guy Carmody is like, I'm just a psychiatrist. Why are you telling me about all this in Chicago? He's like, Well, I think that ja- I'm I am certain that Jack the Ripper is in Chicago now. He's been murdering people. Also, uh, he's going to murder again in a couple of days. And he's like, well, What do you want me to do? And he's like, oh, Take me to some parties. Is is this guy's idea? He's gonna take me to some parties. You know the Bohemians. You know the the weirdos. Take me to your parties. Maybe they know something. So he takes him to he takes him to the party of this guy, sir, named Baston. Mm-hmm. He takes him to this this party. This this guy named Baston. There's all these people there. It's a long scene, and he's just like, I'm searching for Jack the Ripper. One of you may be Jack the Ripper. Any of you could be Jack the Ripper. I'm and then gonna... he pulls a clue. And. Pretends to die. So he also has brought a gun with him. And he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm going to turn out the lights. And, and how does it, he's like, I'm going to turn out the lights. And whoever is, if one of you is Jack the Ripper, you can kill me in the dark. Mm -hmm. And then the lights go off and. He shrieks. And there's a thud. He's laying on the floor when the lights come on. But then he was just joking. Yeah. And he's like, if if Jack the Ripper were among those present and thought I'd been murdered, he would have betrayed himself in some way when the lights went on and he saw me lying there. I'm convinced of your individual and collective innocence. Just a gentle spoof, my friends. And then they leave. 
And everyone else was like, what the hell was what that? What is going on? They were just like, what is happening? Why did this guy come to our party? <laughs> and the, the the narrator is like, I don't understand what is happening. <laughs> but the narrator the whole time was like, I looked around. It was like, could my friends be the killer? Like, could any? Like, I was looking in their eyes like, man, I don't actually know these people very well. One of them could be the killer. But then like, it's no one. And then they leave. And you're like, I guess that was a waste of our time. Then the next that's, day... That's one of the weird things where he's like, could any of my friends be the killer? Knowing full well he's the killer. Right. Spoiler alert. The narrator is Jack the Ripper. But the he's narrating it and he's like, God, I, could my friends be the murderer? This but is no. weird. I don't... I'm a little uncomfortable. And I'm like... So like the whole time you're like, oh, I guess even though it would be patently obvious for the narrator to be the murderer, it is now logistically impossible or at least awkward to make him the murderer since we are privy to his thoughts mm -hmm. and he's clearly thinking and nervous about his friends perhaps being the killer in any case the next night Jer sir guy comes back and they just go wandering around and they end up in the bad part of chicago by which i mean the black part of chicago yeah by which i mean in weird tales they use more choice language than in the later versions of the story to describe mm -hmm. the part of town they're in. Um, but they end up going into a, He's like, why are we Why are we coming here? I don't know. They go into an all-black bar where they stand out. Mm -hmm. They get very drunk and talk about Jack the Ripper some more. And this is where you find out that the reason that Sir Guy is so intent on finding Jack the Ripper is because Jack the Ripper killed his mom. Mm-hmm. And then, but he killed his mother, but that doesn't make any sense because this guy is a sir. And we know that Jack the Ripper killed sex workers. Could, could that be the mystery sixth victim that they were talking about in the narrative, though? The mystery sixth victim is just one of the other, one of the other prostitutes who's on the actual list. She's just not considered a Jack the Ripper victim anymore. She was one of the victims who were like, wait, this doesn't fit his MO. She was just another murder. She probably murdered by her pimp. Mm -hmm. So it's not even a made up woman. And But what he says is he's like, so they murdered. He murdered my mom. And uh, fortunately, I was taken in by a family, a rich family. And that's why I'm Sir Guy. And you're like, oh, OK, I guess that makes sense. And their narrator is like, so what? What are you even going to do with Jack the Ripper when you find him? He's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to get my revenge got my gun here he's very drunk mm -hmm. and then and then he's like and tonight's the night he's gonna merge again and our narrator is like well and he's like i have all this all this evidence that jack the ripper's a, an evil sorcerer from the 19th century committing <laughs> crimes and our narrator is like okay and so they're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to take all my evidence. I'm going to turn it into the FBI. I'm going to do it right now. I'm drunk and I got all my evidence. going to turn it into the FBI and you're going to catch the dripper. And, and he's like, maybe he will turn it all into the FBI. Maybe, maybe he will catch the ripper. So they go into an alley and Sir Guy is like, give me my gun. And our narrator is like, I will give you, I will give you your gun. And I reached into my pocket. And Sir Guy was like, that's not a gun. That's a knife. And I said, I know. And then I bore down on him swiftly. And he screamed, John. And I said, never mind the John. Just call me Jack the Ripper. Jack. Just call me Jack. And I threw my book <laughs> as far as I could. <laughs> because I was like, 
This is the kind of ending that would really impress a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, "Ah, dip! It was Jack the Ripper the whole time." An intelligent adult would go, "That's the stupidest ending I've ever heard, and makes no sense, and is completely unsatisfying. Why is this such a?" This story has been adapted into like 17 different radio dramas, an episode of television. There's like four sequels to it and inspired him to write a whole novel. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper, is one of the most successful short stories ever written in American history. It is considered one of the great, it is the birth of Jack the Ripperania, like of of people writing sci-fi fantasy stories about Jack the Ripper. It's inspired by there was a novel called The Lodger, which was like the first like Jack mm-hmm. the Ripper work of fiction. It's been adapted into like a multitude of movies. And that's about a man and a woman who own a like a they own like a, a block of like flats and they they get a lot there they get a lodger who they discover at the end was actually Jack the Ripper, which is actually considered to be, I think, the first psychological thrill, like the first legitimate psychological thriller. Cause it's about like not about the murders themselves, but it's about how they affect the people like in the mm-hmm. sphere of these murders. And the woman who wrote that was like considered like the the woman who basically created the psychological thriller as opposed to like the mystery. This is a piece of junk fiction. This is (laughs) this is a story that if someone wrote it in like, I don't know, like not writing 101, but like a writing class, like maybe a second or third year writing class. I'd be like, it's clear you started with the very last line Mm -hmm. and then wrote a story backwards to get to that last line. If you want to stick with this idea, what we're going to need is some actual character development. We're going to need an interesting story, maybe. We're going to need an ending that's not dumb. And maybe just don't write about this because you don't know enough about Jack the Ripper to make this interesting. Robert Block spun this straw into gold and turned it into a career. And then he went on to write Psycho. And people should have forgotten about this. But instead, he went on to write sci-fi horror stories about Lizzie Borden. He went on to write, he'd do the same thing with like the Marquis de Sade, with like a ton of other characters. He was like, this is where the money is, making up stories about killers. I guess I'll just keep doing it. Not to slam Robert Block. He's written some great stories. I just don't get why this one's so popular. I don't know. (laughs) Is it that I, it was 1943 and people were like, I guess. You'd think, I mean, but people knew what good writing was in 1943. He was as surprised as I was, if I'm going to be honest. Like, he was like, I I wrote this story and like, that was it. Like, you're supposed to just, he's like, I got my money for it and I didn't expect. But then people were like, no, I like this story. And he kept like putting it in more collections and people were like, this is great. And so... It, and it kept, and I think one of the, one of the things uh, uh, I read about was they're like maybe the reason it was so popular was because it was really easy to adapt because it's just a bunch of dialogue scenes, so you could adapt it to radio and you got this cute little like thriller ending and and it and it was fun and the characters are kind of like yeah this uh, the, the stuffy British guy and like the smart Chicago psychiatrist so you had like this kind of like team up and then in the end one of them's the killer. I think it's more like it's more fun to stage than it is to read, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But he followed it up with a bunch of Jack the Ripper stories, uh, and I read a couple of them. Yeah, uh, one of them that I actually found very like weird and intriguing was a toy for Juliet. 
And he wrote this for the 1967 uh, Harlan Ellison anthology, Dangerous Visions. So Harlan Ellison is like, will you write me another Jack the Ripper story? And he's like, yeah. That's the guy who wrote Whimper of Whipped Dogs, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So Harlan Ellison is like, will you write me another Jack? I'm putting together this anthology. Will you write me a Jack the Ripper story? And so Robert Block was like, okay, I'll write another one with this like weird Jack the Ripper thing. And this one takes place like way in the future. And it's this, it takes place on an earth where like, we can do whatever we want. Like our minds are so expanded. We can do whatever we want. So all people do is torture people. Like, it's like, okay, we can do whatever we want. We're all going to become psychotic killers. And so there's this girl named Juliet who's kept in a room and her grandfather travels through time and brings her people from the past so she can torture them in horrific ways. Uh, she's a sexual sadist. And so he mm-hmm. gives him, he, she give, he gives her these toys, these people, and she gets to sexually like torture them and then kill them. And he ends up bringing her eventually at the end, Jack the Ripper and without realizing it. And so Jack the Ripper gets there and is like, kills her. And like, that's the way it ends. And then Jack the Ripper is like, I guess I'm free in the future now. This is going to be weird. And that's the way the story is. And it's actually a kind of a fun, cool, weird little story. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Block's been writing for a few decades by this point. Uh, but then Harlan Ellison loved the story so much that in the same collection, Harlan Ellison then wrote a sequel to that story. Uh, he's like, can I write a sequel to this? This is really fun. So uh, Harlan Ellison wrote The Prowler in the City at the End of the World, which is about Jack the Ripper trapped in the future, thinking he's going to be the super murderer in the future, but everyone's more psychotic than he is, and they all have mind control powers. So they use Jack the Ripper to commit their own crimes, and then they send him back in the past and convince him that he has free will until he does. And then they're like, haha, you don't actually have free will. We control you, Jack the Ripper. And he's like, no, I thought I was Jack the Ripper. And then they bring him back to the future, and they're like, you're the scariest killer in history, Jack the Ripper. And he's like, yes, I'm Jack the Ripper. I'm so scary. And they're like, ha, 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 fooled you. We're still controlling you, Jack the Ripper. You don't have any... And he's like, no, I'm still Jack the Ripper. And like, that's... <laughs> it's, it's a lot better than yours truly, Jack the Ripper, is all I'm saying. And then he wrote a, he wrote an episode of Star Trek about Jack the Ripper. Uh, and then he wrote a novel about Jack the... Robert Block kept writing about Jack the Ripper. And then he died in 1994. Having written far better things than his Jack the Ripper stuff, Jack the Ripper. How is was the Whimper of Whipped Dogs like a really critically acclaimed like Harlan Ellison story as well? Oh yeah. So this is another one of those stories. But I would say that the Whimper of Whipped Dogs is a better story than yours truly, Jack the Ripper. I disagree. <laughs> it's just as ugly. It has just as bad of an ending. I wish Jack the... Well, I don't know. Maybe they do have bad endings. I thought that the Whimper of Whipped Dogs, at least... Harlan Ellison and the Whimper of Whipped Dogs, I didn't agree with what he was saying, but he had a point. Like, he wasn't just building up to that ending. Mm-hmm. This That's one, fair. This one is just clearly Block. Young Block, still like a young a young writer, came up with this joke. Ha ha, this guy ends up being Jack the Ripper. And then he worked backward from that. It says in the intro by David G. Hartwell... Uh, this story suggests the same moral universe yeah. as the Whimper of Whip Dogs, which I find interesting because I don't agree with that at all. I don't think this story has much of a moral point of view at all. No. Um, it's just a bad joke. But it did win a bunch of awards. That's stupid. And has appeared in like a thousand collections. That's dumb. Uh, like 
like the year it was like the year it was published uh it appeared in a collection called the mystery companion but in the first its first appearance by its first appearance uh it was already edited so i believe the version that we read today is the official version and the version in weird tales he went and he re-edited it himself he tightened it up made it shorter but uh so would you recommend this story to anyone no no it's not good uh, uh i wouldn't say avoid it at all costs but uh don't don't rush out to get it uh willow what is the next story in the dark descent if damon comes if damon comes by charles l grant by charles l grant i don't know much about charles l grant uh but i know what i like no i don't know much about charles l grant i have never read uh when damon comes so this will be this will be something for for us all, and I can I can tell I'm, you I can tell you a little bit about him. What what little bit can you tell me about him? He's a prolific novelist and short story writer of the company of Ramsey Campbell and Stephen King, and a popular figure among fans of horror fiction for his novels and stories of Ox Run Station, an imaginary <sighs> Connecticut town. Okay. Okay. Based to a certain extent upon Lovecraft's Dunwich and Arkham from the Cthulhu Mythos series. He's the Oxrun Station uh, guy. Okay, yes. Yeah. I am familiar. And I've never I've never read his stuff, but Oxrun there's like tons of books of Oxrun Station, so. And although my faith in David G Hartwell's taste is a bit shaken, um this is described in the book as one of the finest Oxrun stories. Great. Well, we know that yours truly Jack the Ripper was one of the finest Robert Block stories, so <laughs> We have nothing but the best to look forward to. Uh, uh, Willow, do you have any final words for our our listeners? Um, I think that the obsession with serial killers has always been a bit iffy. The writing of stories about them, the naming, things like that has always been a bit upsetting to me. Mm -hmm. um, which is why I tried to focus more on the victims of this particular case than I did of Jack the Ripper himself. Yeah. I think it's really unsettling and unfair to give the killers so much legroom and so much space in our minds. Like, the guy who wrote this story couldn't even be bothered to learn the names of the victims. And right. I think that's really un uh, upsetting. <laughs> that was the true psychological thriller of this story. <laughs> so I just yeah. want to give a reminder to the people to don't focus on the monsters as much as you focus on the people they hurt. Give space in your mind for the people who were the victims of these crimes and don't romanticize or turn the killers into some sort of harbinger of evil they right. were just dumb people who did right. horrible things to these poor innocent people yes serial killers uh to a to a one are just kind of pathetic and not 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 worth not worthy of your fascination uh, mm -hmm. uh i'm not knocking people who like true crime i i read and listen to enough true crime myself but as you as you indulge it becomes more and more clear that that uh yeah these people are not are not superstars they are not um, they are not fascinating human beings they are they are the like the dregs of society and i am certain that whoever jack the ripper was uh, they were just just as much a low life as every other serial killer out there. That's fun. That's a fun. That's fun to end on. Yep. Anything upbeat to say? Don't read the news. <laughs> Don't read the news. You heard it here. Uh, the official stance of it's Del Toro time. Don't read the news. 
and so until next time with uh, Tale of Ox Run Station and Charles L. Grant, and I'm hoping it's better than yours truly, Jack the Ripper, uh, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. Bye. Bye.